This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Episode 114, Your Questions Answered. I am so excited to be here today. My name is Carl Valeri, and I am joined today with the infamous and famous and the most wonderful uh, aerospace director I've met so far, and that's Eric Crump from Polk State College. Hey, Eric. <laughs> I like the infamous. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's glad to be back after a long hiatus. Yes, it's it's wonderful to hear your voice again, and uh, we're going to try, I know people want Eric on here more and more, and we're going to try to get him on. Uh, we're doing this early in the morning, so uh, this is great that you were able to join us for this one. Uh, we have a lot of questions, don't we, Eric? We do. You guys, <laughs> ask, and it's not just a lot, you guys ask really good questions. Yes. So um, this is a, I'm glad I connected for 114. This is a good list. Yes, it is. It is. And uh, But before we get started, just a, a few things I have to mention, uh, administrative stuff. First of all, coaching. Uh, I know that a lot of folks are, are getting backed up uh, with the coaching, and we really want you to come out and talk to us individually. I do most of the coaching, but I have some other people that are involved in the coaching. Paul, Tom, Eric does some, uh, Ryan Wallace, and a few other people that help out here. Uh, if you're getting ready for an interview, interview prep, trying to make a decision what school to go to, also trying to make a decision whether to do this for a living or anything else in the aviation world, uh, we can talk to you on an individual basis. If you notice, you can write into the show. We'll answer your questions here, but what I do is I take out all the personal information. You obviously know which question is yours that that we're answering, but I can't get too deep into your situation because everybody's situation is unique, thus the coaching. One of the things that we've heard some feedback from people is the fact that they they don't know my calendar schedule. They don't want to sign up for coaching unless they know what my schedule is and they can get into my schedule like within the next week or two. We're pretty booked up, uh, usually for a week out, but every so often something changes. Uh, I have done something, and I, I thought I had placed this on the coaching page, but I did not. So this is what I'm going to do. There's a calendar page that I have. You can look at my calendar if you want to get into my schedule. It's uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash calendar. It shows you my calendar and when I'm uh, available for coaching sessions. I'll put that out there, a link to the uh, coaching, uh, excuse me, on the coaching page. I'll put a link out there for you so you can look at my calendar. Uh, you're going to notice it's very full. Uh, during my trips, I usually, because I fly for the airline full time, I do not uh, do much coaching there because I'm afraid uh, there's a possibility of a delay, a cancellation, Etc. Plus, uh, you know, obviously, I need to get my rest while I'm I'm working. Sometimes I can schedule a session during one of my overnights if I have a long overnight. Uh, say I'm sitting on the beach for 24 hours, I'll I'll definitely be able to do a coaching session there. That Are is, you rubbing that in, by the way? Like I know that's important information, but I noticed that you mentioned it, the long the long overnight's fine, but then you mentioned the beach thing. Are you? Are you trying to stab me with that? Is that, is that? No, no, Eric. I, I actually, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of digging that in for somebody else. But you know, if if you take it, that's fine too. But you know, I was about to say, you know, rest is for wimps, and then you start going to the beach thing, and I'm like, no, I gotta, st- I gotta step up here. This is unacceptable. Yeah, well, I did stub my toe in a clamshell the other day, so it's, that, it's not man, all fun you, and games. That's a tough life, Carl. Jeez, man. One of one of the wonderful things about being an airline pilot is you do get to have some really wonderful overnights. 
uh, in some amazing places, along with overnights next to hotels, uh, hotels next to airports. So that uh, it, it evens itself out. And um, a couple of trips to Bucolic, New Jersey. Bucolic, yes, Bucolic, New Jersey, and that that was <laughs> my, my favorite other city in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, and a lot of amazing aviation history, and also some really good flight schools in New Jersey. So I'll be up there uh, coming up soon. Uh, like I said, we're going to start tweeting out where we are. We have been, but there's uh, I just haven't been around uh, that much at airports. But I will tweet out uh, more often uh, where I'm going to be. And if you want to get together and just hang out, watch airplanes take off and land at a local airport. I, uh, hopefully I'll be in your area soon. Uh, but anyway, so that's it for the coaching. I just wanted to mention that. Also, the uh, the scholarships guide is being updated. It's being placed into the iBooks library for the Apple people out there. It's also been updated on Amazon. It's been updated on the website. So if you are somebody that purchased the Aerospace Scholarships 2016, that new update is out there, and you can download it just as a reminder there. We have lots of other links to all of our other coaching and uh, career counseling. Uh, you can go to the website, aviationcareerspodcast.com, but I really wanted to address the coaching folks out there. We've gotten very busy with just doing career coaching, interview prep, and uh, resume review and cover letter review uh, that uh, I needed to tell you. You know That's what the calendar looks like. Also, if you cannot schedule with me or you want to schedule with somebody else, you can just uh, write in uh, to uh, my assistant, Russ. Uh, he's also the one that helps produce this podcast, and Russ will be able to... Uh, to actual schedule. That's Russ Bonju, by the way, and uh, not the other Russ who's on the other podcast, but he actually has uh, been a big help in scheduling all this. So just want to put that out there because I know I'm getting a million emails about it. So Eric, let's get going on the actual emails here. Our first email comes in, <clears throat> says, uh, first off, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Thanks for putting it on. I'm a 37-year-old guy who is working on making the jump to being a commercial pilot. On one of your recent podcasts, you briefly discussed failed check rides and how they affect your hireability. You mentioned they can be potentially explained away, so I wanted to give you my situation and see what you think. I got my private pilot license when I was 20 and then stopped flying for 15 years. A couple of years ago, I decided to get back to pursuing my dream and have been receiving Part 61 instruction while working full-time. When I returned to flying, I received a disapproval for the flying portion of my instrument checkride, mostly because of nerves and the challenges that come with taking a 15-year break from flying. Unfortunately, I also recently received a disapproval for the oral portion of my commercial pilot checkride. The reality is that I've got myself stretched too thin between working a more-than-full-time job while trying to complete my ratings, and I walked into my checkride before I should have. Again, I can share more info, and I think I can make a compelling case for each of these, but as an eternal pragmatist, my question is this. Should I give this up? Uh, I'd say absolutely not. I'll tell you why in a minute. My plan is to get my CFI next and then instruct to get my uh, requisite 1,500 hours. My concern is that I leave my job, instruct, and then interview for the airlines and not be able to get a job because of my disapprovals. My dad is a pilot for one of the majors, and he seems to think that I can still make it, but he's... He's a parent, and that's what parents say. What are your thoughts? Thanks in advance for taking the time to respond. First of all, on the airline side of things, and I want Eric to comment on this also, You, I have uh, people that I've worked with that have failed almost every single check ride and still are able to get into the airlines. But I'll tell you this, you better have a good explanation. What you just told me was a good explanation, but ex- you know, tell them why it happened, what you've done different, how you changed your life, and how you've actually been able to plan better or 
been able to take time off, et cetera, from work. But uh, this happens. I mean, there, there's, there's very few people that haven't had a disapproval or something along the lines uh, in their training, whether it's at the airline or whether it's uh, prior to getting to the airline. There's something in there. You had to maybe retake an exam, retake part of an exam, et cetera. Uh, we, um, you know, I was at one flight school where we had one person take every single exam twice, and that person eventually got into the airlines. Um, that, uh, with that said, I know some people are sitting there saying, "Oh my gosh, I hope that the airlines haven't dropped their standards that much." I think a big part of it is uh, it, it sounds to me, and this happens to people that are kind of rushing through or have too many other things going on, uh, and that's something you have to do is, is try to better, you know, manage the time. Is, is really important. As far as uh, moving forward in other parts of your career, you just have to have, you have to have a good explanation. And that is something we do is we go over, you know, those type of things in our coaching services. And when you come up with an answer, we constantly go over, you know, improving that answer to your question when you get to the inter- interview. Eric, do you have anything to add? Sure. I would just say for the, on the one side, you know, just from in, in my position, dealing with a lot of flight students, who are in the process of training, who have the same concerns that you do, um, from all the different airline hiring departments that, that we've talked to, um, you know, what we hear is, well, first of all, that's why we train you and certify you at the airline. It's not like we just take you and throw you in the cockpit, right? So it, it's that initial screening thing that we're really worried about. We're still going to train you. We're still going to make sure you have the technical proficiency. We just want to know why it happened. And um, and so I, I, I'll share this one story because I thought it was interesting. Um, in a former life, um, I was hiring a flight instructor, and uh, we were kind of having this chat, and he was telling me about his uh, his. I think it was the same thing. It was his instrument and his commercial, but they were the flight portion on both. And uh, and he had got unsats, and you know he was worried. Um, and I, I told him basically the same thing the airline manager told me. I said, well, I, I understand that it happens. I see it from time to time. Um, but that's, that's why we have an interview, right? That's why I'm going to fly with you. I'm going to make sure that you, you know, that you have the technical proficiency that you should have. Um, and so we do guy gets a job, uh, very good as a flight instructor. And I, and I hear from him later when he goes to the airlines, he said, you know, I, I didn't really plan it this way, but when I sat down and I was having a conversation, the subject of my failed check rides came up. I said, you know, I, I, I messed it up. You know, it was, it was my fault. It's not like I was treated unfairly or anything. I, I just, I didn't perform well. And this is why he said, but you know, while that was unfortunate for me and it was disheartening at the time, it actually worked out really well for me in the long run because I was able to take that experience. I was able to plug that into my own flight instruction and I was able to better prepare my applicants because I had real world experience about how this thing actually works. And so while you know, it was a little it was a little disheartening at the time. I think it actually made me a better flight instructor. And he said the recruiter told him that is the best answer he's ever heard to that question before. Um, because like Carl said, it's not just owning it because you do have to do that and you do need to explain it. The key there is what have you done with it? You know, how, how has that impacted you? What has that done? Because there's I mean, I don't know, Carl, you can speak to this maybe, but there are also very few people who go through uh, the airline training process who don't have at least one unsat or one additional training event, um, you know, in the process of training. I mean, that's a common thing. Um, you know, we need to be ready for that. So, you know, your recruiter is going to want to know that, you know, once you get to the airline environment, if this should come up during your training, how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to use it to make yourself better? So, um, you know, I, I would say in my experience, I've never seen that be a deterrent as long as the person owned it, um, explained it, 
and then talked about what they did with it. I, and Eric, I I agree, and and as far as the airlines and getting on sats and and retraining or additional training, a lot of times those are things that aren't quite as um, pronounced in your resume, in your background, in your FOIA request. Uh, excuse me, uh, your records request, your pilot records request, or PREA request. Excuse me, the. What happens is a lot of times you just need like one extra day of training. Uh, they mark that down, of course. Now things are really uh, being looked at as far as Priya. But there's very few people that haven't had one thing that they need to redo. Maybe it's a check ride. Maybe it's something, uh, just an additional lesson within the training footprint. And uh, But that happens to most people. So uh, the most important thing, like Eric said, is just uh, not just explaining it and owning it, but uh, moving forward and having a good explanation as to why this happened. And this also, by the way, can be changed to a positive, amazingly enough. You can actually change this happening to a real positive and, uh, and in the interview process uh, where that story can actually be, resonate with somebody who's interviewing you and cause you to get that job. So, uh, But uh, no, definitely don't give up on that. Don't give up on that dream, that's for sure. Moving on here to the next question, I know that Eric Crump is chomping at the bit to ask, answer this one, uh, and uh, I think this is interesting. I'm going to give my quick answer, and then I'm going to let Eric answer this one. Well, it's my sandbox. Yes, you it know, is your it's, sandbox. It's like <laughs> somebody's playing with my shovel and bucket, and I, I need to, I need to explain. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'll let you do that. But I'm going to tease him a little. I have to do that because Eric's my friend here. So first of all, it says my son is 22 years old and has his CFI with 500 hours and one more year left to complete his college degree. He is debating whether to skip finishing college in order to get a jump on building hours and attaining a job with the regionals. What would you consider to be more important in the industry right now, a college degree or being one year ahead in flight hours? Notice he asked me what's what's more important in the industry right now a college degree or being one year ahead in flight hours uh you actually can get hired right now with no degree and uh, at a regional so you don't need a degree that's for sure but one day you're going to want to go to the majors and when you get to the majors there uh, there's uh, there's still competition out there so you need to have that four-year degree also you're one year away uh, i would say definitely finish that degree but uh, if you were just strictly saying what's more important in the industry right now for the regionals, it would be having your flight hours. For the majors, you have to have both of those hours. So, Eric, what do you think? <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> you can't swear, so stop. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a family podcast. Um, so, no, I, I look, I understand this. I, I answer this question at least like five times a week. So um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's tough right now because uh, the regionals are sucking up anybody. I joke with people all the time. If my eight year old could you know hold an ATP, she would have a job tomorrow, um, which is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is pretty oh, yeah. much true. <laughs> Even I could go back to the regionals right now. Um, so here's the deal with this situation, and there are a lot of people, and I, I think we're going to get to several of these questions because a lot of you are asking the same sort of question. Um, you know, I want to hurry up and get to the regionals. And it's all some different version of that. Um, and I understand that. Um, Carl talks about the $2 million mistake and, and, and what, that can, what that can do to a career. So I understand the need there. But in this particular situation, taking it in context, if you have one year left to finish a college degree, 
what you're actually saying is um, not doing it now, getting out of college, finishing uh, flying, going to work for the regionals is actually a two or two and a half year proposition later on to get back into college to finish that degree, to do it on a schedule that will work with your you know, airline flying schedule, which means probably online, which means probably a private college, which means way more money. So you can see kind of where this stair step thing goes. In this particular situation, um, you know, get the degree, get the de- finish the degree. <laughs> um, just just buckle down, get it done. If there's a way that you can load up on classes, you know, instead of doing the minimum twelve credits, do eighteen. Ask the dean for you know permission to do twenty one. Whatever it takes. If if you want to get done faster, there are options there. Um, but at the same time, you may be saving time now. But what you're actually doing is just kicking that can down the road for when, like Carl said, you want to make that move. And now it's going to take you way more time than it would take you now. And it's going to cost you way more money. So, you know, Eric's personal, again, it's my sandbox. I have a little bit of a bias. <laughs> but I think, I think you just buckle down. You finish college because um, you're so close. Just get the degree done. And then you don't have that hanging over your head later on. So, Eric, I'm curious, would, would your opinion change if it's somebody who hasn't started their college? In other well, words, my opinion wouldn't change, but <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people feel differently than I do about that. But I think the key here is um, the, the reason that pathway agreements and cadet program agreements exist at colleges is because airlines understand that those students are learning a very specific set of skills that will save that airline time and money later on. And and so it, it in on the one hand, yes, you get to the regionals faster, but on the other hand, you get to the regionals more prepared. I don't know if that if that makes sense. Um, sure, it does. And and I think also you're setting yourself up for the next job, um, and and that's important. It's not just looking at what am I going to do tomorrow. Um, career aviation is a long view operation, um, and. I see a lot of people getting into the industry right now who are thinking about tomorrow, next month, which airline am I going to go to? Ooh, this one looks good. Let me move over here. And you're not really thinking long view down the road about what that's doing, one, to your resume, uh, two, to your reputation, and, and three, just to your your mental ability to do the job because you're, 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 you're hopscotching from one thing to the next and you're trying to do it so quickly, none of that's really settling in. None of it's really becoming firm in your brain. Um, and and obviously we've seen that happen in the past because the airlines have gone through hiring surges just like they're doing now, um, and we've seen this same sort of model and what that ha- what happens uh, long view down the road uh, when something like that occurs. So my view is always going to go be go to an aviation college. Right. Again, it's my bias, so I fully <laughs> I fully acknowledge my bias. Go to an aviation college, study your science, refine your craft, get your certificates, get a college degree. And then go to work. So, Eric, on the other side of that, we've had some guests on here who've, who've done the opposite. They've, say, they've gotten their two-year degree. Uh, Robert Geyer, who's on one of the – I forget the episode number, but I will look it up and I'll have a link to it. He discussed how he got his two-year degree, was offered a job at a regional, went ahead and uh, worked at the regional. I will say, in his case, he was very disciplined. He was able to complete his degree. While he was at the regional, he became a Czech airman and everything. Now he's flying for the majors. Uh, but uh, for for the most part, what's going to happen is if you don't finish your degree, life gets in the way a lot of times. I fly with guys at the majors that don't have degrees, but 
uh, a lot of times uh, they have a lot more hours. You know, I know one guy's 25,000 hours, and, of course, having that experience with no degree is a lot different. You're not at that level yet. You're probably not even at 2,500 hours usually, so when people ask that question. So I really think that it's important that you have that degree. Do you need to have it to get hired at the regionals? No. Uh, and there are some examples of people who have gone the other route. I, I do it with a, with a lot of caution, though. You have to be incredibly disciplined and uh, probably not a great idea to try to raise a family and also to the degree at the same time and fly for a regional. So that's, that's my opinion. Right. Um, Anyway, let's move on to the next question. I think uh, that, that, that's important to have that degree, especially when you get to the majors. Uh, I will say that, uh, and that's our goal here. Uh, next question is interesting. Um, before I do answer this next question, a couple things, a few disclaimers. Number one uh, is that we're going to start talking a little bit about flight schools. Uh, I'm usually reticent to talk about specific flight co- schools, but there is one that keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention that flight school name. Uh, I have to disclaim that I do. Uh, I'm at Polk State College, but I am a volunteer. I don't get paid to work for Polk State College, and uh, I also am the coach on a volunteer basis. What I do there isn't paid for, and there is no flight school that I work for, and uh, I am not paid by any flight school. So uh, with that said, I'm going to start answering this question, and I know that uh, Eric may have to recuse himself from mentioning and talking about a specific <laughs> flight school, but he can he can uh, speak in generalities. Is is that enough of a disclaimer for you, Eric? I, I think that's enough of a disclaimer, but just to understand that you you are paid when you come because usually I'm there. You get to see me, um, and that's that's what we call intangible benefits, Carl. Um, and and I consider that to be uh, like to payment. Right. So actually, are you are you claiming seeing me on your tax return? I, I because am. Because there I is am. value in that. There, Carl. there is There's a lot of value in that, especially when I buy you lunch at, at Hallbacks, which is that really cool <laughs> restaurant on the. On the north side of the airport, though. <laughs> yeah, I probably owe you a couple or two. <laughs> no. You know, as a matter of fact, we should give a shout-out to that. I, I tell you what, do do this for yourself if you're listening and, and you're so intent on getting all your ratings. Please go somewhere, fly somewhere, and get that $100 hamburger. Enjoy the journey. I mean, we, we, we started to get into a lot of questions like, I want to get this done, I want to get it done now. It's so important. I guess we're going to go down that road in a second here. It's so important to learn as much as you can and get as many experiences as you can flying. Make it fun. Don't make it just a job. Uh, so let's move on with this question here. Uh, I'm gonna, I am going to delete a, a couple things out of his question because he specifically asked about uh, certain flight schools. One I will mention, though. He writes in, I am a private pilot who almost has the instrument rating complete, and I'm thinking uh, ahead to commercial multi-engine. I want to make my flying my career. So I contacted all ATPs and St. Pete Clearwater, and their programs offer a lot, but I would be essentially redoing my instrument with them. Also, I contacted another uh, flight school. I won't mention that flight school. It's a, a little bit smaller there. Uh, have you heard any good or bad? So I, I'm not going to mention that because I don't know the flight school that well, uh, the one that he talked about in Fort Myers. And uh, they have a lot of different uh, airplanes, but he did say that they had a Piper Seminole. Uh, any other recommendations to, as to good accelerated training flight schools around Central Florida, perhaps? So... I'm going to answer this real quickly. All ATPs, and that's going to come up quite a bit, and accelerated tra- uh, training programs are incredibly popular right now. I get almost one question a week about ATP, all ATPs. They have not come on the show. Uh, I have invited them to come on the show, and they have not uh, been willing to uh, step up to an interview yet, but hopefully they will in the future. Uh, um, maybe it's a scheduling issue. I'm not sure. But uh, trying to find somebody there who's a spokesperson has been quite difficult. Uh, I have had a 
lot of experience with people who have gone through the program, and I'm going to say that there's both good and there's bad experiences. When you have a school that big, you're going to have good and bad experiences. So that's just the way it is. Uh, you are looking at a program, and you're discussing accelerated programs. So, uh, and I'm going to bring Eric in in a second about that in general. We're going to speak in general, not about. Uh, about this specific school. But I, what I'd like to do is, if anybody knows someone at all ATPs that wants to speak, uh, I know uh, I'll probably have to get either, either the head of marketing or the president of the company on and, and discuss their school and why, uh, why it's good. Uh, I will say the one neat thing about going through an accelerated program, now we can talk in generalities, is the fact that you get your ratings done quickly and you can move forward in your career. The downside to accelerated programs is just like I said, you know, enjoy the journey. Uh, you may not have that time to enjoy the journey. It might be work, work, work. And then all of a sudden you here you are and you're flying and you haven't had that much quote unquote fun. Uh, also, sometimes we wind up in an accelerated program, uh, start focusing more on finishing the actual rating and getting the rating done as opposed to and passing the test as a, as opposed to having a, a much more well-rounded uh, education and a much more robust background in flying. So uh, there, it is obvious that if you take a long time to get through your ratings, you're going to fly more, have more experiences, uh, as opposed to f- just completing your ratings. Now, uh, asked, uh, you had asked about Florida, Central Florida. Yeah, there's uh, uh, ratings and there's programs in Central Florida. You've heard me, and this is an advice I've given to people. I actually had to go away to get my rating because I was so busy as a flight instructor, I could not finish it uh, where I was. So I did go to one of those accelerated programs, but prior to being there, I did a lot of training. I've didn't, I've gone through two accelerated programs. My experience has been uh, better at one than the other. Uh, the one accelerated program I went to, uh, and there's a lot of people have been through, is uh, up in Groton, Connecticut, and it's uh, it was a very they did a great job. We're very thorough, and I went to another accelerated program for another uh, rating, um, and that school's out of business. Uh, and I didn't feel I was able to get a very thorough education there. It really, I was all on my own uh, doing the studying. I really didn't feel like I got much out of it on the second one. The first one up in Groton, I got a lot out of. So it all depends is what I'm trying to say. It all depends on the program. Now, speaking about accelerated programs in general, and remember we're just talking in general, Eric, what are what are your feelings towards some of these accelerated programs? And, uh, and <laughs> why do you ask me these hard questions, Carl? <laughs> I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, buddy. <laughs> no, really, you don't have to answer that question, but you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to set you up for one of these one oh, day. No. <laughs> um, so, no, I mean, and you guys have heard me answer questions like this before, and you know that accelerated flight training is kind of my soapbox. I, I just, I disagree entirely with the thought process. I just, I don't think it's the right way to learn to fly, and that's not because, um, you know, I, I'm just, I, I have a conviction not grounded in science, but the, the simple truth is um, people don't learn uh, physical skills that way. We know that because we've researched it for years, so quite frankly, we do it that way, not because it's the most efficient way to learn. We do it because it's the quickest way to get what we want. And in my personal opinion, the easiest way or the quickest way is not always the best way. Um, so I don't, I don't agree with the accelerated training model for a couple of reasons, which, I mean, that's a whole philosophical debate that we can get into later. Um, but I will say that for students who elect to go the accelerated training route, um, the key is to pick a, a school where, like Carl said, you have access to other students who are in your same uh, group study type, 
environment because you're not going to get the one-on-one time with an instructor that you will get in a non-accelerated format. Um, so you're going to have to do a lot of individual study, um, which, by the way, is, is the professional aviation training model. Like when we get to the 135 and 121 world, you go to, quote-unquote, training where you're in a room you know, with, a, with a teacher, uh, you know, an instructor, but then the vast majority of the teaching you're going to do yourself and, you know, in the hotel room or before you ever go in the first place. But we do it in that environment because we already have the basic foundational skills. We're just adding new information on top of it. So, so that's sort of um, my issue with the accelerated thing because these are basic flight training skills. Um, but make sure that you have that environment and understand that while I've never trained at ATP, obviously they have a, a huge uh, flight school network. Um, there are several other national providers like that. Just understand that just because the building has the same name on it, there are going to be differences in climate and environment and students and instructors in each one. So, you know, they're regionally placed to make it convenient to attend. But you may actually find that, you know, through your research, that one particular um, school has a, you know, a better student group right now or has a better instructor group right now. So the key there is in anything regarding AV training for that. That's not just accelerated training. Do your homework. Um and, and understand what it is that you're actually paying for. Um, that's, that's the key. Um, you're going you're gonna to spend, um, even though it's accelerated, you're still going to spend uh, a lot of your time. You're going to spend a lot of your money. Um, and the way that particular program works, you're pretty much going to disconnect yourself from everything else going on in your life. So you really need to understand what that is um, and, and weigh the options. For some people, that's the right choice. Um, and, and I, even I can't agree with that. That's just, that's the way their brain works. It's super efficient and they come out of it on the other end, really well prepared. Um, but you know, for, it's not for everybody and you could make the same argument that, um, I guess, what do you call traditional flight training, slow flight training, whatever <laughs> you call traditional flight training. Well, that's not right for everybody either. Well, sure it's not. Um, so, you know, my experience is based on being an instructor and working in and working in and around those environments, and quite frankly, just seeing a lot of students come to me after training at, at an accelerated program who just who do not have the depth of knowledge that I would expect for the certificate that they hold. Um, so, are there others that are you know more knowledgeable than I am? Absolutely. Um, so, my experience again is just solely my experience. Now, let me uh, also have a counterpoint. The the positive to having an accelerated program, it does get you ready for those airline uh, programs. In other words, the airlines, when you actually go into training, it is uh, basically an accelerated program. You may be done training to fly, say, a 737 in six weeks from soup to nuts, orientation, uh, you know, going over the FOM, actually doing your maneuvers, getting your, your type rating, et cetera, just in six weeks. Which is an accelerated program. Another, and, and I like to call it more of a, a full immersion program, uh, which obviously can be accelerated because you are concentrating on that, just like Eric said. But the other people that do that is the military. The military does an accelerated immersion type of program because that is your job. Uh, you know, I've done IFT for the for the military initial flight training. These guys are out there and gals are out there doing it every single day. And obviously, if you're flying every single day, that your skills will actually move forward usually quicker than somebody else who's not flying every day. And that's just the way it is. If you're flying once a week as opposed to five days a week, you're going to learn quicker, obviously, so you can get through it quicker. So there's that part of it. So <clears throat> I don't want to 
say that um, accelerate there's there's accelerated and full immersion uh, a lot of times they're, they're kind of melded into one but if if you're looking at a school in general that says they have an accelerated program I would highly recommend speaking with those people just like Eric said who've come from that specific school afterwards and and get a feeling from them what they what they learned and how they felt the program was and also t- talk to people that have gone down the road in the future to other jobs and ask them what they felt the about the program. I know there's lots of stuff on the internet. You have to be really careful uh, on the boards, uh, who you listen to, because a lot of times people are anonymous when they post on those boards. So be very, very careful and and try to find friends and relatives, et cetera, uh, that can talk about those programs. Anything else on that, Eric? No, I I think that's a a very fair point. Um, And I think there's a difference between, you know, good training frequency, which I think in traditional training we should still push. Um, You know, the you do have to have downtime between training. We know that. Um, and so, you know, the, I did four flights today. Okay. That, so you got through the syllabus, but how much of that did you actually internalize? It depends on who you are. Um, but the, the other side to that is, um, you know, the reason that the military and the airlines trained the way that they do um, is because of selection. Um, they've brought in a group um, based on selection criteria and an intensive hiring and selection process before they ever get to that point. Generally speaking, in the flight school world, um, and I don't agree with this, but it's the way that it is, it's pay to play. If you can afford it, you can try it. Um, and that's not necessarily the same thing as the airline and the military model. Um, and certainly there's a difference between you know having basic flying skills already and refining those or learning a new task um, as opposed to Ooh, it's an airplane, um, you know. And so there's a different there's a different learning curve there. I think we can all see that. And and again, you know, the the training every day, all the time thing has its benefits for a lot of people. Um, I just I, I subscribe to a different work life balance <laughs> philosophy where I don't do anything all the time because I just don't think that's very healthy. But at the same time. I understand, like I said before, that uh, that particular model works really great for some people and does not work at all for other people. So, um, again, don't don't let me run you off. Uh, at the ultimate, at the end of the day, you just do your homework. That's all. Just do your homework. Great, good points, Eric. I, I like that. So, so you can see that the, it, both of us lean in, in somewhat same direction, but but we diverge on on a few things. And uh, I think it's important to get those opinions from people. I love accelerated programs, but as long as they're thorough. Like I said, I've had two experiences: one good, one not so good. Uh, so definitely do your research. So I think uh, I think you got our answer on that one. We'll move forward on to the next question. Next question is going to be a little bit uh, chopped up, and it's gonna. There's a couple of really interesting things uh, that uh, come out of it. I'm gonna have to paraphrase because there's some personal things that were placed in the email. It says, "Hey, Carl and team, I wrote to you almost a year ago." while I was towing banners. I got a job in a Beechcraft 200. I almost have the hours to upgrade to captain, but I'm considering leaving. The owner has encouraged me on multiple occasions to pad my logbook so I'll meet the requirements to fly single pilot and be insurable. I'm flattered that he has confidence in me, but it has grown to be a very tough outfit to be in. 
I've got an interview coming up, and I've heard great things about the company uh, that I'm looking to interview with. I was wondering if uh, anybody would be available for a practice interview session, and he wrote on, on uh, July 7th. This is going back a little bit. So uh, one point there. If you want, again, you can look at my calendar, see if I'm available. If I'm not available, I can get one of the other coaches to come out. Again, just feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you can't, don't see an opening in my schedule, we'll have one of the other coaches, and we're going to have some of the other coaches' schedules on there. Uh, so the uh, as far as <clears throat> first of all as far as padding your logbook uh, I, I say no to that for there's many different reasons I'm saying no number one I think one of the most important things in aviation and life is integrity and uh, you know this is is showing a lack of integrity on the part of the person that is the owner of that school uh, number two is that um, you also might get caught eventually uh, I've seen this happen um, not that 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 should be the, the main reason, but uh, believe me, I look at lots of logbooks, and uh, as I drill through those logbooks and I say, hey, what's this? You know, why did you vlog this as pilot in command? What were you actually doing? What's going to do is going to bring up a, a red flag. You know, why, how did this happen? Uh, you may not get caught with that said, uh, but I'm, I'm very much opposed to that because it's also uh, not being truthful and it's lying. So, no, don't, pad, don't ever pad your logbook in my world. Uh, I think there's no place for that. Um, <clears throat> a couple things uh, that the person is worried about, of course, and I'm going to, again, paraphrase most of the rest of this, is that uh, a lot of employers will fire you on the spot if they find out that you're even looking at another uh, position somewhere else. And that is what this person's uh, concerned about. Uh, uh, is it, you know, he's wondering if he should just suck it up and just and just keep going forward and uh, and and just try to embrace the the getting the the captain's badge and move move forward and and just be a captain for a while uh and 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 it's it's interesting is he also asked about the ethical nature of uh, not replacing himself when he leaves uh they actually uh expect him to stay and and replace uh himself uh for that job which i um you know, it sounds like the organization in general or the, the person that's pushing you in general is telling you to do something wrong. Uh, I do want to make a comment on this uh, in general. You will find this throughout your entire career. I don't care what airline you work for or whom you work for. At some point, somebody along the line is going to ask you to do something illegal. They're going to ask you to do something immoral and unethical and unsafe. You will get the, all of those when you go to the airlines, no matter where you are. It may be somebody who's in the scheduling department. It may be somebody who's having a uh, a day where their their I- integrity has waned a little bit. Uh, but don't don't succumb to it. You know, stand your ground. Do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. Um, if you're going to do something that's illegal uh, and you get caught, the person that's going to benefit from that is your employer, not you, because they're going to come after you because you're the pilot. You're the pilot in command. If you do something wrong, all the employer has to say is, hey, wait a minute. He's the one who did that, not me. I mean, there is a case, of course, if they've pushed you to do that, but you're the one that makes that decision. Uh, don't ever do something illegal for your employer. Uh, stand your ground. And for the most part, you know, when I've stood my ground, when someone's asked me to do something unsafe or illegal, uh, they respect me more for that. Uh, and I know that uh, that happens on every level, even in the flight school level. 
is you'll you'll see that happen. I'm sure Eric also has had some experiences with that, uh, where people have wanted to pad their logbooks or they've been asked to do something illegal uh, or immoral. So don't do it. Uh, he does end with, thanks so much for serving all of us, and I do appreciate that. So, Eric, uh, in general, I don't want to get into too many specifics here because we don't. We kind of want to protect this person in his email. Um, in, can you speak in general about this email? Uh, yes. Um, I love the 200 also. Um, it's one of my favorite airplanes, so kudos to you. You're flying a good one. Um, oh, goodness gracious. Um, padding your logbook. Uh, where do I even begin? Um, yeah, don't ever do that. <laughs> Because and here's here's why um, that's a slippery slope. It is, and I, and it looks easy, and no one will ever find out about it. And what's twenty hours really in the grand scheme of things? I don't even necessarily disagree with your thought process there. <laughs> I just it, the the problem is that is a slippery slippery slope into a whole bunch of other really stupid decisions you can make as a pilot that will either end your career or kill somebody. And I know they're like, what is having my look, my logbook having to do with safety? It's just, it's a thought process. It, it, you, you can either do this right or wrong. There is no gray area. It's not like, well, I'm sort of an ethical pilot. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Like, well, I follow most of the SOPs, but no, <laughs> you either, you either do it or you don't do it. Right. So there's, there is, there's a black and white here. There's no gray area. Um, and in this particular thing, I would say, uh, geez, just start off on the right track, and and once you start this, it's really hard to stop. Um, it's hard to, you know, well, yeah, but you know, a few hours of this and a few hours of that, and and, and will anybody find out? Probably not. But you know, and Carl talks about reviewing logbooks. A lot of them, you know, I get to do a second review on, and it's like, hey, does this look fishy to you? Uh huh. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> you need to take care of that. Um, and it's you know that's that's it's a problem and you know remember recruiters are trained to look for those things there are some red flags that we just know what we're looking for um, and so just don't get yourself in that position ethics you know just do it the right way that's it just do it the right way that's my one comment there um, yeah I'll just leave it there for now don't do that I, I like that let's leave it at that just do it the right way in general. Uh, and, and we won't talk any more about that. But just, uh, you know, if people asking you to do something illegal and safe, just, just say no. You know, don't, don't do it. It's, it's the rest of your career. You're going to be haunted by that for the rest of your career if, if that doesn't turn out well. Uh, but thanks for that question. Also, oh, the next one comes from Facebook. Uh, by the way, we uh, also you can go to Aviation Careers Podcast uh, on Facebook and ask questions. I may not get back to you directly, but we will uh, place those in here in the question bank. Um, anyway, this comes from a pilot. It says, hi, I'm an aspiring pilot. Funds have been rough to source, but I'm not giving up on my dream. I'm from Zambia and a male, age 26. I like some mentor who's a pilot to advise me the best way I could raise money for the private pilot certificate. And uh, without more uh, information, uh, originally from Zambia and it might be in the U.S., might be uh, training over there. There's a lot of different schools uh, that you can go to uh, throughout the region uh, and throughout the world. Normally in the U.S., it's a, a lot cheaper. There's some other schools, you know, Canada, et cetera, uh, and throughout the world. But uh, – and we appreciate everybody that writes in from Africa and the fact that we don't have uh, – we have a few scholarships and we're adding more 
Uh, that's another place to look in aerospacescholarships.com. Uh, but we don't have a lot. We're trying to add more into the uh, you know central southern African region, but also all parts of Africa. For those that don't know, the only thing I know about Zambia, it's near uh, the, the Congo, uh, the, the Republic of Congo. Uh, I've actually helped out an individual with jobs in Congo, uh, the Republic of Congo, I should say. But uh, it's it's an interesting region I've never been to, but seen a lot of pictures from and would like to go check it out some someday. But, uh, but yes, I would uh, – we, we can help you, but uh, just a little more information as far as if you're going to write in uh, where you are, where you're looking at doing your flight training uh, and uh, things like that. So I appreciate a little more information from you, but I appreciate that, and thanks to all our listeners from Africa. Okay, moving on to the um, – the next uh, email here says, I am a recent listener of your podcast and found it very inspiring and motivating. Keep up the good work, as many like me need to hear this. I'm trying to get caught up on all the podcasts, but I'm still behind. So I apologize if my question has been covered. Oh, by the way, just to stop there, I did uh, change our podcast feed. I was getting a little technical here. Uh, in that you can actually download all the podcasts, all the past podcasts that we've done from the iTunes library or from your uh, feed catcher. Uh, so uh, whatever you use, your pod catcher, excuse me, uh, whatever you use, it's changed uh, our feed. So I forgot to change the number is basically what I did. So now you can actually uh, listen to all the past podcasts within your, whatever podcatcher you have. Anyway, moving on. He says, I am unlike many guests on your show who started a piloting career later in life. I'm in my 30s and looking at possibly becoming a pilot. I've always been fascinated with flying, but have never pursued it seriously. I'm 11 years away from retiring from the military, a non-flying job, but I'm planning on finishing my career here to obtain the paycheck and the benefits. Uh, I think that's a great idea. If I was to start now getting the licenses and required hours, and let's say I meet uh, my mark, could I work for a regional part-time while finishing up my other career so I can be headed ahead moving towards a major when I retire? Thank you for all you do, and hope you're still coaching by the time I retire. Uh, I hope to be coaching by the time I retire. I'm too young. I'm 49 years old, so I think I should uh, be able to make it that far. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's there's actually an interesting thing here you've talked about, working part-time. So I think um, the real question is here, is, is the airline willing to let you work part-time as a pilot? Uh, and, and you've heard me say that it's almost like a part-time job. But with that said, uh, I may only work uh, 15 days in a month, or next month I might be working, what am I working, eight days next month. Well, you actually um, have to schedule it around the airline schedule, not around your other work schedule. So, for instance, you're, you're, you'd have to go to the military and say, hey, do you mind if I have these, these, this day and that day and that day off, which I, I'm pretty sure they won't let you do. Uh, if you're in the reserves, it'd be a different story, of course. Uh, if you have to go and uh, and you have orders, of course, that's a different story. But no, not normally. They, uh, the airlines uh, will not look at usually part-time, although there's a couple of innovative airlines I've been talking to who have been talking towards that, speaking towards that as far as letting people work a little bit more on the part-time basis. They're usually part 135 scheduled airlines. Again, to repeat, I've said this before, but uh, airlines can be under Part 135, uh, which is charter usually, uh, and air taxi, but there is a, such a thing as a 135 scheduled airlines. We're seeing things go back to that. Part 121 
of the FARs, of the, of the regulations, is actually the rules that govern all the airlines. And most of the regionals have actually changed their operating procedures to go under Part 121. We're seeing a shift back to 135. Why is that? Well, number one, you don't have to have uh, the number of hours required for the ATP to be a captain under 135 uh, that you would have to have for Part 121. Also, the age requirement is no longer there. So if you're 66 years old or over 65, I should say, then you can actually start working for one of these re- these airlines again. And it's really cool because some people, they don't want to retire. They're in great shape and they want to keep flying. So, uh, so no, you normally can't, um, and you can't vary your training schedules, et cetera. Airlines are pretty particular about it. Uh, once you go to work for, for an airline, imagine that you're going to be there full-time uh, doing the work. The guys like myself and gals like myself that you hear about having all these days off, I'm pretty senior where I am right now and in the seat that I'm in so I can get the days off I want. I only work 15 days a month the most, uh, usually less than that, and that's because I'm senior. But if I, I was at the bottom, I'd be only getting 12 days off a month, and I'd be uh, on reserve, and my life would be a lot different there. So uh, not not normally. I know there's some other jobs there that, that are part-time. Uh, Eric, any qu- any uh, comments towards that one? I don't think so. I mean, the airline thing is not my background. Um, I, I would just... I will yield to Carl's massive wisdom on this on this particular topic, um, but I will say there are plenty of part-time jobs in aviation that you can have um, that are extremely rewarding. Actually, I actually have a flight instructor right now who's um, involved in uh, local theater. That's his background. That's his passion, but he's a pilot flight instructor, and he instructs part-time. And I got to tell you, this guy is probably one of the best flight instructors I've ever worked with in my life. Um, he does it because he enjoys it. Obviously, he makes a little bit extra money with it, too, which is fine. Um, and even if the airline thing doesn't work out, um, there are plenty of other aviation-related activities that you can participate in that are part-time. So I'll just throw that in there and then let Carl answer the airline question. Yeah, I, I hear that he's very animated and quite theatrical. Oh, boy, that was... <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. Yeah, Yeah, a great guy. I know who you're talking about. Really, really good person. Uh, And uh, got to meet the person. Great individual from what I can tell. But there's – it's interesting how we all have all these different things going on. And, yes, you can pursue an aviation career on a part-time basis. But uh, that is uh, one of the examples, especially a flight instructor. Airlines, though? little different, a little bit different there. Unless you have service to the military that you have to fulfill, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, if you're a full-time military, and uh, you, it's, uh, it, they're not going to let you vary your schedule based on that. Of course, if, you have, if you're on the reserves, that's a different story, totally different story. Uh, so anyway, let's move on to the next question because it has to do with the last question. Uh, he actually was asking, he saw an article in AOPA and thought it seemed pretty creative how Great Lakes Airlines was adding a 135 operation and looking for part-time pilots. Aha, there you go. How does this work? Any other airlines looking at this? Thanks for the great podcast. Uh, I will have a link to that article. Uh, they Yes, okay. They're looking at part-time, but you also have to be able to get to their training, complete their training. If you can get a leave of absence from, say, your current job or uh, if you're in the military from whatever you're doing, whatever your job may be, and go to the training and then work in a, into that part-time realm, that's great. But, again, trying to do two things at once is a little more different if a little more difficult if one of those things is not incredibly uh, uh, flexible. Like for me, I do the podcast, I do the coaching, etc. 
that all that's based on my calendar being open and you know i've had to make a lot of changes in life to do that i'm i'm getting rid of all my other uh you know i'm in as you know i'm a landlord i'm about to not be a landlord as of next month though so i won't have all that to deal with so i can just concentrate on this and uh and it really does it's very difficult uh to be able to do two things at once and that's a small example being a landlord really isn't that hard but if you get a call at four in the morning and you know, I have to get a, a toilet fix. It's it's tough. Just the same way with this. If someone calls you from your job and says, "Hey, can you come in and work?" That's going to be quite difficult. Hey, Eric, did you, did you get a chance to read that article in AOPA? By the way, I, I haven't read that specific article, but I, I'm aware of that program that they implemented. And I mean, I again, um, in generalities here, um, you know, the, the 135 thing there is is due to you know the need for people who do not you know, it, it's a way around the. Um, the uh, the ATP requirement from the first officer qualification rule is really the, the way that is. it's supposed to uh, you know keep their airplanes flying um, uh, with with pilots who don't meet the new requirements which there's nothing inherently wrong with that and I think there are um, there are plenty of examples of uh, airline 135 being very successful um, both as a business move and for pilots who are looking to get started earlier and build some time just you know be aware that the the pay there is not as exciting as what you may may want it to be. Um, so that's the only thing there. I mean, it is an interesting opportunity, though, no doubt there. Yeah, it is. Um, but that's uh, – uh, and remember, that's the way it used to be. It was all 135 scheduled operations, and then it changed to 121. Now we're going back to that again. Uh, so that's it's quite interesting how things have evolved. Uh, let's see, Eric, you have a uh, time for one more, I think, right? Let's do it. Let's go for it. Okay, this one's kind of long, but we'll uh, we'll get through it here. It says, Carl and friends, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now as I'm considering a career change to aviation with a dream to fly for the majors. I'm six months from my 30th birthday and have always had a burning passion for aviation. I have no flight experience and I'm trying to plan a path to a rewarding career in aviation. Currently, I'm heavily researching flight schools and hope maybe you and your guests can provide some insight and answer some questions that I have. I have a bachelor's degree in business administration and finance, so thankfully the four-year degree is under my belt. I understand that a 30-year-old, I have a possibility of 20 to 25 senior years as an airline captain if everything goes as planned over the next 10 years, which is why I'm strongly considering this career change. I currently have a wide-open schedule and no major commitments, family or otherwise. Due to my age and inexperience, as long as I look into flight schools, a major consideration is how quickly can I get my certifications and begin building hours in order to get hired by a regional. Although time is of the essence, quality instruction, education, and safety are equally important. I wonder if you or your guests can speak to the program offered by, again, all ATPs or ATP flight schools. They have two locations in my home state of New Jersey and offer a fast path to being able to work as a flight instructor. Furthermore, they say they guarantee a flight instructor position and tuition reimbursement from the regional partners if I went this route. And unfortunately, like any of the uh, schools out there will do this, they say they cannot guarantee me uh, which school they will place me at to instruct to build my hours, which is a problem as I do not want to pick up a move out of state to complete the program. I'm also not sure the regional partners would have positions based on my home state 
uh, in New Jersey. Can you speak towards this? Uh, by the way, New Jersey, that's actually where I am from. And uh, I live in New Jersey part-time, and there's a lot of really good schools up there, a lot of great schools. Uh, do you have any recommendations for fast-track flight schools in the New Jersey area that would get to the CFII certification along the same pace as an ATP? At which point I could uh, flight instruct, take another job to build the 1,500 hours. Do you know of any regional airlines that are based out of uh, New Jersey, Trenton, as these are airlines I would be interested in for commuting purposes? Uh, I also was thinking about completing my private pilot and then going to ATP or otherwise. Are there schools that offer a fast track to the private? Thank you again for the abundance of information you and your guests provide to the community and to newcomers to, like myself. There is something within this, this email that I really want to comment on. Talking about fast tracking, completing things quickly. Part 61, we all talk about 141, all ATP, and all these other schools. You can actually complete your ratings very quickly. I've had a student where I've gotten them done, and I think it was 20-some-odd days I finished him from, from zero to private pilot certificate. Again, that's because the person was there every day, had nothing else to do, and really enjoyed flying, and loved coming out there all the time, had no other commitments in life. But for the most part, that is very rare. Most people can't do that. Uh, that's pretty cool if you can take that type of quote-unquote vacation rating, I call it, where you can take a whole month off and, and get as much done as possible. You're still fairly young. You do have a career in front of you, which is great. Uh, but as far as speaking towards uh, the, the, the specific school you mentioned, all ATBs, uh, I did in the past know about them, but I haven't been around them much in the New Jersey area. But they're all, all the... They're all different, as Eric mentioned, and you have to research them locally and also talk to people who've been through there. Uh, you notice that we talk a lot about all ATPs because they do a lot of advertising in a lot of the magazines. So you're going to see that, and they are huge. They're really, really big. Um, the part about not guaranteeing you a work in the local school, I know they do try to get you into a local school, but that is not guaranteed. Uh, that's probably not guaranteed with most, most of these big national uh, schools. But on a local school basis, yeah, you can easily get in and start working, especially if you get to know the people and, and heck, if you get a really good relationship going. I have another comment on this email, though, that has, uh, it's a, a, has something to do with this email, and that was a comment that uh, the president of the Regional Airline Association made at one of the meetings and has made it multiple times, is one of the, one of the problems they're having uh, now at the regionals is the high uh, rate of failures uh, due to the fact that there's so many people that they're hiring that have nothing to do with their qualifications. It has to do with their number of hours they have. In other words, they're going to hire you if you have 1,500 hours or you're close to your ATP. It, it, it really, uh, the, the pool is really drying up. Uh, and one of those reasons is the fact that we have in place this new rule where you have to have your ATP. In the, in the old days, quote-unquote, uh, you'd have 500 hours usually to get hired, and, and even less than that. I've seen uh, people that were hired, you know, they were very young, 18 years old, uh, were commercial pilots and able to get on with a regional airline. Uh, I remember the days of 350 hours. Yeah. And no multi-experience. I mean, <laughs> I remember that. That was fun. And, and again, you were probably starting off you know, with a, with a turboprop, et cetera. But even still, some were going right into jets, and, and they were very good. some were very good pilots and were able to make it through there. They did also, at those times, have a higher uh, failure rate because of the fact that some of them had really low hours. Uh, in my class, I think the lowest I saw was about 375. Uh, but most people had about uh, a thousand hours when I started out in the regionals, right at the, in the big boom period, right before nine eleven. 
Uh, so yes, you have to, you know, you have to look at the whole situation as far as, you know, I want to get done as quickly as possible, but I also want to have, uh, the best experience possible, uh, getting into the airline. So that was my aside. Uh, you know, there's, it's kind of strange because most major airline pilots, if they're listening, uh, they will say that's impossible, but that is the truth of the matter is just think about this is that there are so few applicants that have the minimum requirements that the airlines have to go out and they have to actually help you finish up your ATP, get your certified training program in. Also, they, they're giving away money to get in to the regionals. Totally different time. And I know some of the old guys out there are saying, well, you know, I only made 10000 a year. You know, so did I. Uh, it's, it's changing times, and it's a, it's a great time to be uh, getting into the airlines uh, if you have the qualifications. Uh, so uh, any fast-track programs in, like he asked, the New Jersey area, I will put the feelers out there and uh, – uh, but I, I also highly recommend some of the Part 61 schools that uh, do move uh, things rather quickly and get things done. So just, But uh, most importantly is talk to people who've been through the program. I keep saying that over and over again. Uh, but thanks for that question. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Eric, before we close up here? I know you've got to get going. You did an amazing job with that. There's not, there's not much else I can say. Wow. Thanks, Eric. Well, I appreciate Just that. take that. That's the one compliment this podcast. You get one I per get one. podcast. That's it. I'm done. So that's it. Now we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, Eric, this has been awesome. I, I really want to ha- – you were saying you hadn't been on the show in a while, and I want to start having you on more uh, and answering some of these questions. And uh, I think it's great, some of your feedback, especially from, from academia. I do want to mention the school – uh, Polk State College, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, I'm the coach of the flight team, and we're actually just started up the flight team yesterday. We have a lot more people that are interested because of the fact that the school has really grown uh, under the tutelage of, of Eric Crump here as the aerospace director. And it's a team effort, I promise you that. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. But uh, I, I will say the leadership's been, been doing a great job, and I know you have incredible challenges uh, trying to grow such a program. And uh, But along with that, uh, you, it's a learning process. And uh, but one of the things I want to do is reach out first of all and just mention this is that we're we're uh, the school it's a, it's the only public school in Florida that offers a bachelor's of science in aerospace is that still true? That's still true. Okay. Yeah, and actually, in addition to being the only public entity in Florida with an aerospace bachelor's degree, um, we're also um, as of you know, three weeks ago or so uh, we have our our RATP approval from the FAA. So. Um, now we can do restricted ATP, twelve fifty for our associate's degree and a thousand hours for our bachelor's degree. So that's um, for that for those of you looking for that year to year and a half earlier start in the industry, um, you can still do that uh, through um, through an accredited academic program. So that option's still there. You can still get there quickly. You just you know. You, in my opinion, you should do it <laughs> in that way. Um, otherwise, I would be doing something else. Um, so um, clearly, I do what no I believe thing. in, or I wouldn't do it. I would do something else. Um, but uh, yeah, we're thrilled to get the RATP, and that's a huge deal for our students. Um, and uh, just you know, really thrilled with what's happened. It's been four years now, and you know where we've come, where we are, what's going on right now. It's it's really encouraging. And and I tell people, I tell you all the time, Carl. I haven't really gone to work in four years. I just I legitimately love what I do, and I love living vicariously through my students who succeed and go on. We've got people flying corporate. We've got people in the airlines now, and it's just it's so it's so neat to see that happen. Um, and, and I know you enjoy mentoring them and watching them uh, move along too. So it's 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 a great thing. 
Yeah, it's it's incredibly uh, satisfying and fulfilling. Also, coaching the team, and uh, and that's one thing I wanted to mention. I forgot to mention in the beginning, by the way, uh, the flight team, where they we try to teach integrity and also teach people how to win with integrity, and uh, and also one of the things about getting involved with a flight team, no matter where you are in your career, is the fact that it teaches you how to compete because it's going to be competitive out there for your major airline job. Believe me, down the line, it also teaches you how to compete with integrity. Uh, we are. Are trying to raise money for that because because being a state school we don't have a large budget we don't really have much of a budget at all uh one thing i did start and you'll see it on aviation careers podcast is uh fly for a day and fly for an hour uh, what I try to do is is donate to some cause. Uh, this cause right now, obviously, is the flight team because we're trying to put together a flight team this year, uh, and we don't have any money, uh, or, or hardly any money, I should say. So it's uh, I have a, a link on there. It's called aviationcareerspodcast.com, fly for a day or fly for an hour, where we ask you, and we, we ask you just write in and say, hey, I'm willing to pledge an hour of my time an hour of whatever my salary is towards the flight team, or I'm willing to, to pledge a day of my time. For me, I always pledge a day of my time at the airline, a day of my pay, I should say, a day of my pay at the airline to the flight team. Uh, and in the future, we're going to have more of those. We're going to have more uh, different causes that we're going to have, but it's fly for a day and fly for uh, an hour. If, you can, if you're can, if you making $15 an hour or you're th- making $300 an hour as a captain at the airline, we'd really appreciate you even donating one, one hour. If we could get just four captains to donate one day of their pay, or even two captains to donate one day of their pay, we could pay for the whole flight team for the year. So we really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, we would also, if you're going to be flying for a day, I'll be willing to, I'm going to send out a, a certificate of appreciation if, uh, if you do give me your name and, and you do uh, donate. The donations don't go through me. Uh, they go through the foundation at, at uh, Polk State College. They have to go through there. So what I do is I ask you to donate and then I'll send you the link. And Actually, the link will be on the website and I'll send you the link off there, off the website to uh, donate even an hour of your pay or a day of your pay or two hours, whatever you want to donate. Just let me know and I'll have that link, especially in this uh, in this podcast here. Well, Eric, I and think... And for what it's worth from me, thanks uh, for all of you that do that. It, it does make a difference where, you know, we can fund travel and we can f- fund, you know, membership fees and that sort of thing. We really can't deal with practice. We can't deal with uh, fuel charges and, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, the it is very much a, um, <laughs> a friend-supported event. The team contributes a lot of money. They do a lot of their own fundraising stuff, too. Um, but uh, any, anything you guys are willing to do to help, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, the students um, certainly benefit greatly from it. Yeah, and, and whatever it is, a couple dollars, a couple thousand dollars, uh, it, whatever it is, we'd appreciate it. And by the way, going through the foundation, it's it's tax deductible. So that's my public service announcement for today. Uh, Eric, before we go, any last last thoughts, last comments before we, we move on and close out the show? Well, hopefully I'm back before, you know, four or six months or however long it's been since I've been on Aviation Careers. I love this podcast and I miss it so much. Um, I will just say before I go, um, you know, you guys are, are are a really great audience. And um, even though I haven't been on the podcast in a while, I'm still getting a, a ton of email and social media uh, reach outs from you guys. And it's always nice to, to hear from you, to um, be able to answer your questions as best I can anyway. And then and then to hear uh, the flip side uh, back on the other end, to hear the um, the success stories and all that. That's uh, I get to live vicariously through your success. Um, and actually, um, just a, a quick plug uh, to Mr. Watley, 
who is probably still listening to this podcast, even though he's now moved to Florida, um, heard a question that Carl and I answered, uh, called me and moved from Nebraska to come to college. So um, I, <laughs> I, I asked him before, I said, you know, I, I didn't know that I answered your question all that well, but I, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> Carl and I actually got to meet him at, uh, at an open house event we did this last, this, the last summer. And it's stuff like that. It's cool. I don't care if you come to school here or not. I mean, I'd love to have you come. Basically, all I want to do is see that you go into the industry because we need you guys. We need all of you. Um, and we're going to need you for a very long time. Um, commit to it. Follow through with it. And, um, you know, like Carl's going to tell you in just a second, that one thing that you do today is really important. It really is. And it can make the difference between, you know, the next 40 years of your life being something that you really want to do or something that you just have to do. And maybe like me and Carl, you won't have to go to work anymore. Because um, <laughs> what you do, what you do as a career is, is uh, just as much fun as it is an opportunity to pay your bills. It sure is. And boy, having a career in aviation is a blast. No matter if you're working as a pilot, a mechanic, or somebody who's working at the airport, or you're somebody like Eric who's, who's in the teaching environment, and somebody who's who's actually an engineer, who gets to, to hang out with people in aviation. You know, it, it's really interesting. I actually I did jury duty, and I actually, in, in that jury, I had an air traffic controller, had somebody from Honeywell who was a salesperson on guidance systems for missiles, and we just talked aviation when we were on our breaks. It was so cool. It's a really cool community to be in, and I absolutely love aviation. I love everybody that's involved with it, not just the pilots and the people that are out there. I know there was a lot of questions here about specific schools and a specific school is doing a lot of advertising, but uh, I one thing I want you to do is, is like Eric said, and like I always say, is do something now to move forward in your career, whether it's researching that flight school. I want you to, in all these questions that have come in, I want you to find somebody that actually has been through that program. Uh, if you can't find somebody, ask that school and say to them, hey, listen, you know, can I talk to somebody who has been through this? I'd love to find out what it's like to be an airline pilot. And then ask them, you know, how their experience was when they went through that. You know, do something... That that's, that's simple today. Look at a website, pick up a book, do anything you can to move forward in your career. Also, one other thing. I know we get a lot of questions. We are only able to get through half of those questions here on the podcast. We're trying to put more and more out, but I also have to work plus do this. Uh, the the Just to give you an idea, unfortunately, because of the fact we've become uh, a little bit bigger as far as the podcast is concerned, we have over a 1,000 people downloading our podcast every day, uh, and and we've reached almost a half a million mark on downloads. The downside to that is I can't talk to everybody individually. Keep the the emails coming in. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We will queue you up. You can look in the Facebook page, but the biggest thing is that email that's wonderful. Uh, We are putting all those questions together. If you can't get in touch with me or you have something very personal that you want to go over and things that we can't talk about here you can get together for a coaching session we do coaching we do career counseling we have a couple different counselors that we work with we also do interview preparation for different airlines if we don't do that specific airline we have references for those companies that do those uh, airline interview uh, questions and and also for the, the preparation but but the biggest thing though if you're thinking about doing this is don't sit there do something and and move forward in your career just take one step one little step, move forward, and we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. 
This Aviation Podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. <laughs>